Hey guys, Melissa here. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit um, before today's podcast, Um, the way kind of production works and how we record and how we go back. Um, The podcast that you guys are about to listen to was recorded, I think, two weeks ago, a week ago. I don't know. It all kind of runs together. Um, I don't normally listen to the podcast after we record them. Um, it's a little bit of a vulnerable thing that I have, but that one or this one that you're about to listen to, I knew that I wanted to listen to because I was in the middle of a loss myself and I wanted to make sure that there wasn't any part of it that I felt uncomfortable with, not necessarily from a personal standpoint, but I was pretty fired up, um, and hormonal and didn't quite know where my story was going to end in all of it. Um, so it was really important to me that I listened to it to make sure that, what I was putting out there, I was proud of, um, wasn't hurting anybody in the process. Um, so a couple of takeaways that I personally have from listening to it. Um, you know, loss is something that when you're on the other side of your body does some really interesting things with, um, emotionally and mentally. I think we kind of can, you know, separate it a little bit from the emotion and look at the science of it. And, you know, we move on. A lot of people go on to have healthy pregnancies and and new babies. And we can talk about it, I think, a little bit without emotion. In no way throughout listening to Corey's story was I not feeling for her or was I not being empathetic. I think there was a lot of maybe self-protection mechanisms that I had in place simply because I was going through a loss while we recorded the podcast, which timing-wise was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be raw. I wanted to be less removed from the situation. So just so you know, Corey and I are fine. I love her dearly, um, and I am empathetic, and I do um, feel for her and her previous losses. You know, the other side of it was I was a little harsh about the care I was receiving. Um, I know even in a worse day, the care providers that I have in my life are honestly, some of the best that are around. Um, I was struggling being heard and didn't want to go in for another ultrasound, um, which was my choice. And ultimately I was heard in the end and we moved forward and the loss is behind me at this point. Um, but I, I still stay true to the fact that if you have a care provider who's not listening to you or you don't feel trusted, you need to move on. Um, but I don't know if I actually understood every part of what was happening on the care provider side um, when we recorded the podcast. But you know what? I'm not going to edit it. We're not going to go back. We're not going to take anything out. You know, if anything, you know, (laughs) welcome to the raw emotions of loss and and how hormones can affect us. Um, But yeah, so if anybody who's going through a loss wants to learn more, wants to talk, um, feel free to reach out via email, via um, private message, a Facebook page, Facebook group, um, because we're definitely here for you. It's not talked about enough. And hopefully you guys can take away some, some gems here and, uh, you know, and move forward and heal. And if one ever happens to you, definitely know that you're not alone. So enjoy the podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Latch Mama podcast. Melissa here. It is, I think, a Thursday um, in January. It was actually seasonably warm here in Virginia. It was nice. We get outside, go for walks. Um, We are coming to you today to talk about another subject that is not talked about very much in motherhood and stuff. We're going to talk about early loss today. So you can take this as your quote unquote trigger warning. Um, Don't really love that term because I feel like if you are in your childbearing years and you're in the arena and you're having babies, early loss is just something that you need to realize can happen. Um, but we're going to talk about it today and we're going to talk about 
it in a way that hopefully normalizes it a little bit. Um, give you guys some advice on how to be prepared. Maybe if it happens to you, make sure you feel not alone. Um, so yeah. So you're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, business owner and tired mom of five. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, nursing, parenting, and all things motherhood. Hi, Corey. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Good. Thanks for being here. And this is kind of one of those. over here. Yeah, it's not kind of one of those like fun, exciting, cool topics to talk about. Um, but, you know, I feel like it's something that we need to talk about. Absolutely. I, I love it when other people actually want to talk about it. Yeah. It's, it's so taboo. It's so, it's and it's so funny because it's like it's not funny. Like there's nothing about it that's really funny. But I mean, so many pregnancies don't get out of the starting gates. One you know, four. It's, it's and those are huge odds when you think about it. Huge. Yeah, and there's so many that you don't even ever test positive for that I'm sure it's more than one in four. Yes, like people who don't even know. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like these little journeys that we go on, and you know the ups and the downs are incredible in these years. I know my husband and I you know, we just moved out here. We're super happy, have five amazing kids. And he's like, I want a sixth. And I knew at 39 years old, if we were going to jump in and try the sixth again, that, you know, there was going to be a chance that it wasn't going to end well the first time or maybe the second time. And, you know, knowing that in my brain, because I have had losses before, was something that he didn't really have to process. I mean, men process the losses, but it's not necessarily happening to their body. And I think that anytime as females we're quote unquote trying to get pregnant or we do get pregnant, it's like literally jumping on a roller coaster. It's, it's, I mean, once you've experienced loss, especially, but you know, even as a new mom, who's just trying, yeah, it feels like holding your breath for, you know, 12 weeks or however long they tell you is the safe zone. It's, there's no safe zone. In there's pregnancy. No, absolutely. Absolutely not. Um, so we wanted to hit a little bit today. Corey's had a few losses and she's going to kind of talk about those and, you know, I'll give you guys a little bit of insight on kind of what our journey to five and whatever is happening right now is. Um, and we just kind of wanted to talk about them in such a way that you guys realize that, you know, it happens not to scare anybody, but to know that there are people out there that it also has happened to and, you know, there's not a whole lot of advice we can give on how to ride it out other than you just got to get through it. And on the other side, there are beautiful things hopefully to come and there are resources and, you know, people to lean on, but there are, you know, there are millions and millions of, you know, so-called rainbow babies out there, um, you know, that are waiting. So, um, Corey and I talked a little bit before we got started on, you know, kind of what her experience has been like, um, to her three living children at this point. Um, but I wanted to maybe have her give a little overview of kind of your journey to three, you know, somewhat quickly, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and kind of talk about the kind of the different kinds of losses you've had and, you know, how you've kind of gotten where you are. Um, well, you know, I had my first pregnancy and he was super healthy. I had you know, a a fairly decent birth. And I decided, you know, once I hit that 18 month range, Mm -hmm. I was ready and rolling to get another one. When you first found out you're pregnant with your first, because I, I didn't have the experience of actually getting to have that, like, 
because we had a chemical pregnancy, quote unquote chemical. And we're yes. going to talk about these terms maybe if we get into it, but <laughs> they all suck. We've just decided that the, every the, chemical pregnancy, blighted ovum, like it, Sp- non-viable pregnancy. It's all just spontaneous abortion. abortion. Like it's, I feel like I'm being struck every time someone says that. Absolutely. They all, they all just suck. They're terrible. Like I feel like they all need to be rewritten. Um, but anyways, so Eric and I had a, quote unquote chemical pregnancy tested we were talking about this earlier tested positive until like four weeks line you know started going away started bleeding um so we have tiptoed into every single pregnancy since then there's never been that like wrap up the pregnancy test and put it underneath the christmas tree um but i'm happy that you got that with your first like did you guys did you have any like thoughts of you know, maybe this wouldn't go well or was it very Um, much positive? Well, I mean, we tried for like six months and like every month, you know, those, those negative tests are just, it's like a hit to the gut. It's disappointing. It really is. Um, and then when you finally get it, you're like, is this real? Let me take 25 more tests to make sure. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I guess I didn't really think about it. I didn't think it was going to happen to me because the, the lines were getting darker. The doctor seemed optimistic. We heard a heartbeat. I mean, <laughs> we'll get back to that whole like serial testing thing yeah. in a second because <laughs> I'm sure if anybody is on here who's had a loss and then who has tried to have a pregnancy afterwards, it's like that one way that you have any control over what's happening in your body. And those of you who can like meditate your way through those first couple weeks and like not test obsessively, um, <laughs> more power to you. Please let me know. Yeah. Please let me know your skills because, um, I feel like this first, I think I probably kept first response in business, um, in the last oh, for like, sure. seven like years. Those Wanfo online yes, pregnancy absolutely. tests. And you can buy them yeah. in a hundred pack. Absolutely. That's it. That's it's really it's nice actually when you have a loss and then you just, you can test your HCG back down with them too. Cause you have plenty left. Yes. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> so you had your first baby. I did. I had my first, I decided I was ready for a second. Um, and the very first month we tried, we got pregnant and I made How it. long had your cycle been back? Uh, I had only had a cycle for like three months, four okay. months, but mm-hmm. it was pretty regular. You know, the first couple are terrible, yeah. but it was mm-hmm. pretty regular. And then um, I was still nursing at the time mm-hmm. and I had cramps, but I figured that's from nursing. You know, nursing gives you cramps yep. occasionally. Um, but at five weeks, the lines were going away. Mm-hmm. I was having more and more painful cramps. And like when I started bleeding, I knew you get a gut feeling. Yep. You kind of knew. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, wh- what can they do for you? You go yeah. in, they say, yeah, that's, that's what's happening. So <laughs> your HCG is dropping. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that was your first loss. Yes. It was like out of nowhere. You know, you've never had one before. You're like, yeah. what, what's happening to me? Yeah. Did you How just go to I... the bathroom and start yeah. bleeding? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I just, I remember sitting on the toilet in this horrible carpeted bathroom of the house we were renting, Uh just like crying. And my husband's keeping the toddler away from me because I'm clearly having a meltdown and he doesn't know how to help me. I don't know how to help me because I don't know anyone who's ever gone through this. Nobody talks about it. Did you have a good care provider at the time? Um, she was decent. She was helpful. I mean, she, she gave me the facts straight up. She, she gave me some support options. Mm -hmm. She was like, call me anytime. You know, unfortunately this is super normal. Yep. It sucks that nobody talks about it, but here are some places you can find people to talk about it with. Yeah. So I assume you got through that one relatively quickly, I guess. Um, I mean, not not from an emotional standpoint, but like a... Right. No, I was uh, like completely tiptoeing into the next one. Like if I walk slowly, maybe it won't see me and then it won't run away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so true. You know, you're trying again and you're like... 
testing obsessively you finally get one please let it stick please let it stick send me all this sticky baby dust yeah um and i had my second he was great easy pregnancy and then you know you're right how long after that loss did you get pregnant it was a good like three months okay like a good three two three months yeah um and they tell you a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts on can you try immediately can mm -hmm. you try two months later can you try six months later should you wait Mm -hmm. um I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's also research that you are more fertile after yeah. miscarriage. I, I don't know. Is it because Should the cervix you? is still open a little bit? I mean, I have no idea. I'm just a mom of a bunch of kids who've had, <laughs> right. who's had a few losses. I don't, I don't have any idea the science behind it. I know I've gotten pregnant the next cycle after two of my losses. Right. One loss took an additional cycle, but you know, all. I mean, with all of mine, I, I've decided that I wanted it still, even mm-hmm. though I was so open and broken. I was Absolutely. like, I need this now. Mm-hmm. So I would like test and test and test until it was gone. Yep. And then test until I got that ovulation. I was not waiting for Absolutely. a period. Like, yeah. I need this now. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I was able to get it pretty quickly. Like, with one of my pregnancies that stuck afterwards, mm-hmm. it was there was no period in yeah. between. I had two of those. And then one actually had a cycle between the two of them. Um, so you had your second little baby. Yes. Um, and then when did you start trying again? Um, I don't even think I correctly remember trying for this one. It was Mm -hmm. like a, oh, okay. My period did not come and that's not normal test and surprised my husband. That was really fun. And I hadn't gotten to do that before. (laughs) Yeah. So I like left a pregnancy test on the pillow and I wrote like on a notebook piece of paper, um, your pullout game is weak. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Was it far enough along? Was the line dark? Like, were you? Oh, yeah. The line was dark. Like, I, I, I anybody who's tried to get pregnant yeah. has tested at like six days after ovulation, <laughs> eight like, days after ovulation. Where's the line? Yeah. And I was like, I know when I ovulate, I get the cramps. I'm yeah, ready. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, it was pretty dark. I, when I went and got tested at the office, I got, you know, an ultrasound and everything. Yeah. They were like, oh, you're six weeks pregnant. It that's looks great. awesome. So you um, actually got to like get away from those first couple of weeks I of actually like the anxiety. Excited, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're talking about early loss. What happened with that one, Corey? <laughs> so the worst part I think about this one and the one, the reason that it kind of stuck with me was not only because it was a really awful loss the way that I lost it, but mm-hmm. it was because I went and took one of those like sneak peek tests. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my blood drawn. I sent it off, you know, a couple days later they email you and they say, you're having a girl. And oh. I had two boys at the time. Oh, so I was like over the moon to have a girl. And I had, yeah. I had taken my kids outside and on the sidewalk we wrote like in chalk. How many for weeks my, were you? I was like nine weeks, 10 weeks. So you'd seen a heartbeat. Yes. Oh, my ultrasound, my ultrasound was great. Perfect mm-hmm. little flutter. Yeah. And my husband came home from work and the kids and I had rode on the sidewalk like boy, boy, girl. Oh my gosh. <sighs> and I like vividly remember him coming home from work the next day with like flowers, like mm-hmm. pink flowers. And I started bleeding when I woke up the next morning. So from having a loss before, like, did you? Oh, I knew it was know- bad. You knew what was going on. Like in your gut, I think, especially when you've experienced it Mm -hmm. before, you, you know, in your, yeah, in, in the depths of your soul, you're like, this is not going to go well. Yeah. Don't have hope. Yeah. Um, how was Brett? Uh, he, he did the supportive husband role very well. He was like, threw all the kids in the car, took Mm -hmm. me to my parents' house, Mm -hmm. dropped them off. They didn't know I was pregnant at that time. Oh, it was like 11 weeks. They had no idea. Um, and they were like, why are you taking Corey to the ER? Well, she's, yeah. So that was a fun, so fun trip. was there any part of you that said, I don't need to go to the ER. I know what's going on. I'm going to ride this out at home. Or was it like, 
oh my gosh, maybe they can save my baby or was it, I need support. I don't have a good care provider to call. Like what, what, cause I, I read online so much about women who start bleeding, go to the ER hundred percent, not judging that decision at all. Right. I just have never had that feeling of, I need to go to the ER. But like we said before, people don't talk about, and we're going to talk in a little bit in a second about kind of the three things you can do once mm-hmm. you learn that your pregnancy is not viable in terms of the three yeah, options, the options you're normally given. But even with a super early loss, even yeah. with those five, six week losses, there is a significant amount of blood. Yeah. And oh, like, no, I've you tried feel like to, you're dying. <laughs> yeah. I've tried to process it before and I'm like, well, maybe it's just because I don't have a tampon in and maybe it's just because no, it's clotty and it's a lot and it's scary. It's like, it's tissue it's chunks it's gross and it's tmi but it it feels like parts of you are coming out of your body like organs it's gross yeah when you have an efficient miscarriage which we'll get to in a second (laughs) sometimes they're not very efficient Mm -mm. um it it, there's really no question at that Mm -mm. point and i know there are different things that can happen and different reasons why you can bleed during pregnancy but most of the time a miscarriage is incredible incredibly like apparent when it's yes. actually happening. So you decided to get in the car and go to the ER. I did. I think the reason my husband was the one to push for me to go to the ER, the reason we decided to get in, because of the pain I had not had that. I mean, of course the cramps with yep. the first I was nursing, mm-hmm. I assumed that was normal. And then the bleeding, the cramps got mm-hmm. a little worse. Yep. I was five weeks. I lost it at home. I cleared my tests afterwards. I was yep. good. This was an 11 week pregnancy. And Absolutely. not only was I losing like a lot of blood, but I was losing these huge chunks of tissue that I clots. And, yeah. And they were yeah. like, if you fill a pad in mm-hmm. an hour, come yep. in. And I, I was filling a pad, but I remember sitting in the car and it was like, I was in full blown labor. labor. Like mm-hmm. I was squatting in the floor of the car, crying in pain. And the, the reason this was so unbelievably painful and, and is hard to talk about is because you know, you go to the ER and you're hopefully expecting help, even just pain relief. And yep. I sat and I waited for like two hours. And I unfortunately. And like literally yeah. when you're bleeding and you're in that like, okay, first of all, your body thinks it's in labor. Yes. Your body does not know that, you know, whatever it's trying to do, it's trying to get whatever's in your mm-hmm. body out of it. So there's so many of those same like labor hormones in play. And what we all know about labor or what I hope many people know about <laughs> labor is you kind of change the place you are or you're uncomfortable or you're lying in a, in a freaking, you know, chair in the VCU ER. Like there is nothing that's going to be good Mm -mm. about that. It's going to raise your anxiety. It's going to raise, it's your body. You're basically your mind and your anxiety are then are going to fight against what your body's trying to do. And it's like this terrible war that's happening or as opposed to, you know, the way we look at other ways you can labor, right. you know, you soften the lights, you kind of make it a more, you know, comfortable yeah, you experience. You rock this baby out, you hold yeah. your husband, you, you, or get you rock the mis- and- miscarriage out or yeah. whatever, if you're in a safe place. But, um, so you want to continue? Sorry, oh, no, you're fine. You. I mean, um, I, I unfortunately ended up losing the baby in the waiting room bathroom before <sighs> I could even be seen. And I, I was so lucky to have gotten, really great care from like a resident who now works at VCU and I only see her cause I love her so much. <laughs> um, and she just, she took really great care of me. She, the nurse was male mm-hmm. and he was like, you don't need an ultrasound. You're having, you're having a miscarriage. And she was like, get me the ultrasound machine. Yeah. So we can tell her if she's passed it all or not, or we can help her. 
Yeah. Like you can't just write her off. She's obviously in apparent pain and sobbing. And, and that's why like, like when I question when I'm like, people go to the ER, like I'm in no way saying don't go to the ER. Like I think that there are terrible, terrible, I mean, miscarriage is scary and you know, but it just makes me so sad because when you walk into the ER, you have no idea who you're going to interact with and you could interact and there are amazing nurses, amazing doctors, but like that is where I feel like so much pain comes from, from miscarriage sometimes is because it's not talked about. Mm -mm. It's not taught that much about, um, you know, it's really funny. Like we're going through this weird blighted ovum situation right now where I have no idea how it's going to resolve itself. But, um, our beloved nanny, her husband's in med school and I'm like walking him through like step by step of what is happening and how I'm feeling. And I'm like, here's the deal, Allie, you need to tell Connor all of this because you know what? Like if, if he ever comes in contact with any of this again, and he's, he looks at birth very differently than most, I feel like med students and residents and stuff but like you got to be careful because there is so much more at play than just it's a live grenade absolutely blood coming out of a mm -hmm. of a vagina and a uterus contracting like there's so much more at play and so many more hormones at play and you know it definitely needs to be treated you know differently than just with, a woman bleeding and yes, losing a baby with so much more care absolutely um so you spent a little bit of time in the ER and then I did. I, um, I, I delivered everything that needed to be delivered in like the four hour span that I was there. It was quick. It was painful, you know, but, I, and but, I wanted to leave. I remember telling my husband, you know, if this isn't over while we're here, mm -hmm. I would like to ask them to make it over. Yeah. Just, I would, I don't want to go Just home get the and, DNC feel this and then Yes. And then go home, but you're able to pass everything. Yeah. So you didn't need that no. and you were able to go on your way. Yeah. Um, just so everybody knows it, it, I mean, that part didn't have a happy ending, but you then went on to... I, I went on to try again. Uh -huh. um, you know, I felt my feelings. I, mm -hmm. I tested down and I decided I, now that I had this awesome, cool surprise that didn't go well, I really wanted another baby. So I started trying again and immediately the next month I had a chemical pregnancy. <laughs> It was just like a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> like, why? Did you see any, did you see anybody at that point or were you just like, this is bad luck? I was seeing the awesome doctor from the okay. ER. And did she, she was, follow up with you she after did. that night? She did. She called me twice. Like oh. she called me the next day and then she called me a week later. That's so sweet. She's That's wonderful. awesome. Totally not necessary. I mean, no. I, nobody, she I'm sure. She could have forgot about me. Yeah, absolutely. That's so nice. She works in the ER. She wouldn't have time for me. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, so chemical pregnancy and then second chemical pregnancy yes, two in a row and I was on vacation for the second one oh. <laughs> it's just a way to ruin the week and then you decided to reach out and figure out what was going on I did I reached out to her and um I asked about like some stuff I'd read online like can I get progesterone and yeah. she was like progesterone mm. is like the chicken and the egg it is and like some doctors don't believe in it yeah like, does your progesterone drop because the pregnancy isn't viable and your body's trying to clear it? Right. Or is the pregnancy not going well and not viable because your progesterone is low? Right. Should you Million get help or should dollar you questions. Not? I can, I probably in the last three weeks of my life, I've probably read about 60 studies on that from all different countries. Right. And it's very fascinating. The amount of research you put into uh, it. Yeah. Because like, it's. How can I make it go well? Or like, or like, how, like, how can 
somebody tell me what's going on in my body. And I think that that's what makes early loss a little bit harder for me is because I'm at this point in my life where I'm like, you know what, if I work really, 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 really hard at something, it's going to happen mm-hmm. and it's going to be great. Pregnancy and early loss isn't one of those things. Like I no. couldn't work my way out mm-hmm. of this and I can't work my way out of the situation that I'm in right now. Like literally I have to have patience and I've got to like decide when I'm ready to end it and right. you know, go from there. So it's such a great lesson in just something in shitty times and finding <laughs> optimism and kind of working through it. So after you talked to her about progesterone, I, I talked and stuff, to her and she said, basically just standard OBs here at VCU. Mm-hmm. We don't recommend progesterone. We don't give it out. Um, but if you're concerned about recurrent loss, here's the number for a guy who's an RE, which is a reproductive endocrinologist. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, they study, they help with IVF, they help with IUI, you know, getting pregnant mm-hmm. or they help people who can't get pregnant. Um, and I went and I had like, you know, the full blood workup. I had my, um, uterus injected with saline and they, they looked for cysts and fibroids and all this crazy stuff. And they said, you know, you, everything looks good. So try to get pregnant. And Mm -hmm. once you get pregnant, we will do everything we can to make sure you stay pregnant. Do you remember at all what happened when you first went in with like your numbers or anything? Or were you on progesterone at that point? Um, Well, they told me like once you get pregnant, call Mm -hmm. us that day. Okay. You will come in that day, get your HCG blood drawn. Mm -hmm. You'll do it again in two days. Mm -hmm. If things are looking good, you're going on progesterone immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I'd never even heard of that, but suddenly I'm putting it up in my hoo-ha like it's nobody's business. <laughs> um, and I mean, it Girl, worked. I love you. It worked. Um, and you have... And I have Lucy. Lucy, who is probably the cutest little baby, <laughs> has the biggest bows of anybody I've ever seen in my life. And she is just a little dreamboat. Um, so... Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. I know it's not easy. And I picture you losing a baby in the waiting room at VCU. And I am like, I will not go to the ER there again. I I won't. (laughs) I cannot even imagine. Um, So, you know, Corey and I were talking about kind of like what our takeaways are. And, you know, so many people think, you know, so many people look at loss differently. Like, when is there actually a baby? When is there a soul? When is there this? When is there that? And, you know, I feel like that's such a personal journey that somebody mm-hmm. goes on. And, you know, it's it, it's one of those things that I, I mean, I, I can't answer. I, I go back and forth on it. I, I don't know. I think it probably depends on, you know, how open and how vulnerable I actually want to feel. But I do believe that every pregnancy, no matter whether it ends in a loss at four weeks or whether it ends in a loss at, you know, I don't even want to talk about the later ones or ends in a beautiful baby. There's definitely something to be learned by the actual pregnancy from the person pregnancy. So I look back on my losses and like I had one at the very, very beginning. Um, And that was my first indication of like what motherhood was. And oh my gosh, I had gone from like, this beautiful career and all I wanted was a baby and I could control everything. And I had my life on this path and it was perfect. And I was married and I was trying to have a baby at 30, just like I wanted to. My husband and I had been around the world and like our schedule was perfect. And then I was thrown this loop of, Hey, you know what? Like you just tried to get, have a baby. You got pregnant, but Hey, you know what? It's not going to stick. Mm-mm. Like welcome to the next stage of your life. Yeah, it's With, not what you expected. Yeah, whether it's having a baby or raising a baby, like, 
life is completely full of unexpected moments yeah, at this point. You can't control it no matter how much you want to. Absolutely. So that was my first loss. And then I went on and I had Nathan. We got pregnant the next cycle. And then 10 months later, we got pregnant with Alex. Um, and then we got pregnant again. And I remember this, like, just like you said, you know, when you first started bleeding, I was, I think, six and a half, seven weeks. I was at a friend's birthday party. <clears throat> And I started spotting in the bathroom and I remember like exactly where I was on their back deck when I looked at Eric and I was like, something's not right. And he was like, what? Bleeding's fine. You're just spotting. It's no big deal. And then like through that weekend, it got worse and worse and to the point where for those of you, like we said earlier, there can be a lot of blood like, and it's scary blood sometimes. And I remember being so frustrated with myself because I had had my first baby like in the back of a car at a, at a um, birth center <laughs> that midwife had stopped practicing. And then I had my second one at home and it was fine, but it was just this, I was just kind of cold the whole pregnancy. She came over. It was a beautiful birth. It was fine. It was at home. I never really followed up with her. She never really followed up with me. But here I am miscarrying in my bathroom and I had zero people to call. Like who, and I, who can who, help who, you? Who can help me? And I didn't need, I didn't feel like I needed medical attention, right. but I needed somebody to tell me like, Hey, it's okay. You're, I know you're going to live. You're going to live. Yeah. I know this looks like a lot of blood, but it happens to people. Right. I just, just go with it and just lean into it. It'll be over. And you know, we'll see on the other side of it and you know, call me if you need anything. Not having that is terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying. So I remember like coming out on the other side of that and being like, okay, I really need to learn how to make sure that I have not only resources, but I'm open to people helping me. Right. Like I had just started latch mama. We're getting into this, like, you know, two kids and, you know, we're going to get a third and like this business is growing and like, I've got to lean into like the fact that I need help with my kids and I need help with this and holy moly, like I'm bleeding all over the bathroom. (laughs) You know, it's probably time that I have like a relationship with some sort of care provider in my life. Right. Um, so that went on. I ended up getting pregnant with Caroline, um, had ended up going back my first appointment with Caroline. I basically said, I looked, remember looking at the midwife and saying, okay, so this happened. I had a loss. I felt like I couldn't call you and we need to talk about what happened. And it was great. And it kind of changed our relationship moving forward. I love that. Yeah, it was, I uh, I, I don't have very many vulnerable. And it's funny, Corey's looking at me and saying, I love that probably because she's (laughs) never seen me vulnerable in my life. Um, Because I just, I walk around leading Latch Mama, never very vulnerable at all. So Uh, fearless. Yeah, somewhat. But yeah, anyways, I remember my little bottom lip quivered and I looked at her and I was just like, you told me you'd call me in two weeks and you didn't call me. And this was like before texting and stuff because I'm so old. And I was like, you didn't call me. So I felt like I couldn't reach out and I felt like you didn't care. And like, it was definitely the turning point in our relationship because Caroline's pregnancy ended up being, you know, kind of when Latch Mama started to grow and take off. And I started having to invite people into my life to work at Latch Mama and help with my kids. And it was just this great lesson every single month during the pregnancy when I went to go see her that like help is good and like I needed to you know really learn about that so that's what kind of what that loss taught me and then I went on after Caroline was born um and I kind of had like what I call like our false start launch loss where it was like I got pregnant started spotting a couple days later but that pregnancy like my HCG went up it went down it went up it went down Mm -hmm. um 
And what I learned on that one is, first of all, you can order your own blood work, which people are going to get probably get mad at me because <laughs> we shouldn't order our own blood work because apparently we shouldn't be in control of our own blood levels or whatever. Yeah. But there's places online that you can go order it. Um, you can go to Quest or LabCorp. Um, just if you ever feel like you need to check in with your right. pregnancy. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with Absolutely it. Absolutely not. It's this, like testing a thousand times. Yes. But this last one has like totally kind of like made me grumpy about it. But I don't think that there's anything wrong with you knowing yourself what's going on in your body. I don't think that you need a doctor to call in like lab work and be, I don't know. Absolutely. Somebody's not listening to you. Absolutely. Like if you 100%. need to, if you need to call in your own yep. lab work, if you need to, you know, mm-hmm. drop your provider yeah, and absolutely. say you're not being helpful and go to someone else. Absolutely. Do it. Like do it. don't show up 100%. for your appointment. Absolutely. So the good news about pulling my own blood work then is that my HCG was so low. I don't think it ever got out of like the forties, but the test was always positive. I felt pregnant and went up and it went down eventually like three weeks in, I cleared it. Um, and it was great, but it was nothing like the one prior where there was just a bunch of blood. It was just spotting and bleeding for like three weeks and it just wouldn't leave right. me alone. But I learned through that one that sometimes you just have to be patient and there's some ways of <laughs> That's not, Oh, it's terribly hard for me. It's like the worst lesson ever. And here we are doing it again. Um, so the, sh- the other crappy part about that is that I feel like it matters when you miscarry, like the time of year, what's happening in your life. That was a Christmas one. And it was oh. terrible. It was over Eric's 40th birthday. It was the ups and the downs. Um, And then this latest one was exactly the same way. Test got darker, test got darker. And at five weeks, I was like, something's wrong. And it's so funny after you've had a lot of pregnancies and you've had a lot of kids, like, you know. Oh, absolutely. I feel like, and that's, I'm so proud of myself for knowing my body. And like, that's what I want is like one of the major takeaways on the other side of this is like to know like to be so proud of the fact that like I was ahead of it because we all know I love surprises, but the emotional kind of surprises are literally like my kryptonite. Like I have so many balls in the air that suddenly when somebody throws one out that has any sort of emotional component, I'm like, I, I, I I can't deal. I'm just going to go under a rock right now because (laughs) it's hard. Like it's, it's really, really hard to like lead and be around so many people all the time. And then all of a sudden have to deal with something like, you know, emotionally myself. So I got my blood work drawn. Um, HCG levels were eh, kind of low for where they should be for how many DPO I was. My progesterone was low as well. Um, had that very hard decision to make of whether the chicken or the egg was the progesterone low because right. the pregnancy was not viable or was the progesterone low because, um, you know, I'm still breastfeeding and, and I'm like, should early. you help? Should, 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 should I help it? Yeah. Should, should I help this yep. little thing inside of me, soul or not, baby or not? Should I help it grow? Will that even, will that even help? Is it viable? Or will it pro- just prolong right. the loss and like, make it worse? And make it worse so I miscarry it, you know, yep. 10 weeks instead of... And, you know, some people say that no matter what, the baby will miscarry regardless of the progesterone if right. it is some sort of issue. Yes. You know, it can't, it can't hurt. As I Mm-mm. feel like where most care providers lie at this point is like the progesterone really can't hurt anything. Yes. Like if it's destined to be, if it's a healthy baby, it'll stick. If it's not a healthy baby, it's going to go. Um, but Eric and I decided together that I haven't needed the progesterone before 
and I'm 39 and it was just kind of one of those things that more chances than not, I didn't need the progesterone more chances than not. My body was trying to deal with whatever was happening inside. So we decided to kind of quote unquote, just let it go. (laughs) I laugh because you can't just let something go. Like you can't just be like, okay, it's not healthy. Okay. Let's bleed and let's, let's move on with life. And then you make a decision and you make a decision and then you go to the bathroom and you bleed and you, and you lose whatever products of conception are inside of you. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen like that. But somehow I thought in my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, it's the week before Christmas and new year's. It's fine. We'll just do. And then, you know, January one, we'll start off. 2021 is here. It's going to be great year. We're just going to start clear. Yeah. That's not what happened. Mm -hmm. So like six weeks and four days, I went in and I got an ultrasound um, because I personally needed to know that it was in my uterus. If I right. was going to ride this out and I was going to wait to bleed, I wanted to make sure it was in my uterus. You didn't uterus. want to have an ectopic and lose yeah. a tube or and anything. I just, you know, it was, although that is very rare, it's happened in my life to two people who I've been extremely close with. So it's yeah. like, holy crap, like you can give me statistics all day long. But when I have literally watched two people in my somewhat close circle go through it, like, no. Of like, course you're going to be scared. Absolutely. absolutely. I need to know. That it was not. So the sack measured like, I don't know, five. I don't even have a picture of it, which I probably should have gotten one. But five weeks and four days or something, there was nothing in it. I was my calculations because I know my dates. Yes. Don't ever argue with a woman that she doesn't know her dates. No, they like always know. Care provider 101, especially when a woman gets to the point where she's had a lot of kids. She's had losses. She knows how to navigate this part. Like, don't question her dates or week mm-hmm. off. I know that they probably could be, but it's literally, you got to tiptoe on that. They as always want to ask you, when was your last period? And you're like, no, I conceived. I, I conceived on this on day. A, on November yes. 11th. And I, I know and, it. <laughs> and, I, and I will give you a 36 hour window and I will maybe, maybe let's extend it to 72 just in case. But right. after that, like if something's off, something's off. And every single one of my pregnancies that have resulted in a healthy child, I have been spot on like to on the that, day. on Absolutely. that measuring ultrasound spot on. So anyways, the, the sack measured small, there was nothing in the sack, um, which like for anybody going through this, technically I kind of have three options. You know, the option that they would probably most like would be for me to go back and get another ultrasound because it's supposed to grow or mm-hmm. not to grow. And gross. that's yeah. how, but most people who are dealing with something like a non-viable pregnancy, which it sounds like you've never really had that moment where I've never you, really had to wait. Yeah. You've yeah. never, but you've never had somebody have to tell you that it's not Nobody's viable. Nobody's personally ever told me. So you've never no had heartbeat. that moment that I can tell you that like, of course the sack was empty. So there was no, there was no embryo. There was, right. there was nothing. There was nothing beating, but looking at an empty ultrasound screen when you've seen babies before <sighs> is one of those things that I don't think you can teach a care provider. Like, unless they've been through it themselves, no. what that feels like. No, it's like when they have to go to, you know, yeah. intern and, and teach people how to tell them their loved one has died. Yeah. You need to learn that. Yeah. That if you're going to go anywhere Absolutely. near a pregnant woman, because you it, need to know that. Because it could just look like a sack to you. And for me in that moment, honestly, that was probably best case scenario because I wasn't hoping for a miracle. My HCG was too low. It didn't double in 48 hours. For me, an empty sack, not having to look at something that stopped growing or a heartbeat that had stopped, that was probably best case scenario for right. me. But it was still hard because if you think about it, you're in a really vulnerable situation. Most likely at that stage, it's a 
internal ultrasound. Right. You have this probe up your vagina. It's, yeah. You're uncomfortable. Most, most practices that you're going to go to, you're going to be with an ultrasound tech that you probably don't have much of a relationship no, and with. They can't tell you anything. They can't really tell you anything. They're telling you sometimes to push places or, you know, move to a different direction. And I remember the one I went to last week and I, I adore, I adore the practice. It was such a different experience. It was like this, and I'm used to care where I'm very, very involved in the decisions, but it was like, she blocked the screen for me, you know, and it was just like, this is my body. I've done my blood work. I kind of expect what's going to happen. Right. Like I need to be made an insider right now. Oh, and 100%. you guys need to be treating me like somebody who's walking in, who's had five kids, who's had a few losses, who's done their own blood work. Like I, I need like, you, you know, to help me You know me what's right going now. on. Yes. Yeah. Don't and shelter it was, us. It was such a different experience because that's not really what it was. It was a, what do you mean you ordered your own blood work? Are you a care provider? How are you sure of your dates? It was kind of like a nightmare. And yeah. it really made me realize that although there's so much to learn from every pregnancy loss or whatever, it, it is so important who you surround yourself with. And it 100%. is so important who you build those relationships with. Because as you get older and as you have more kids, the more chances are you're going to have a loss. Right. So you're going to have a hard situation to deal with. And it happens so often. And those good care providers are so hard to find because there are good ones out there. But when you find one, you got to hold on to it. And this was my only option. Like I, I love my midwife, but I, she's a home birth midwife and I had to go get an ultrasound somewhere and I had to trust whoever I saw during that was going to be great. Yeah. And it wasn't bad. It could have been 10 times worse than it was, but needless to say, we might have to do a follow up because who knows how this is going to end. <laughs> I still have some sort of blighted ovum inside of me and we're waiting it out and we're hanging out, which is the worst, which is it's bad. It's very, very like big kind of like mind fuck for at least lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's teaching me the fact that like you have to trust your body. You have to know what's going to happen. Um, but it's the first time ever that a care provider hasn't trusted me and it has lit my yeah, <laughs> fire. Like it has made me want to podcast the crap out of it, reach out to every single person in the Latch Mama community and say, Hey, you know what? You need to ask your care provider these questions. If their answers are anything other than, than you what know, you want to hear, I leave. trust you or whatever you need to leave and you need to go find Walk another out. one. Um, needless to say, I'm not given the option of taking side attack or clearing out my uterus at this point because they don't trust the fact that I ordered my own blood work. And, you know, I'm sure that there are more things at play. I'm sure I don't know how the whole story. I'm not here to talk bad about any new midwives or anything that is happening. But I can tell you right now, the worst thing that you can have in a care provider at this stage as a female is somebody who does not trust you. It's somebody who doesn't believe you. You know your body. You absolutely know your body. And there are absolutely conversations that need to be had. There needs to be like a, hey, I understand you're feeling this way. But in my experience, I've seen this. Can we talk about it some right. more? There's, or can there's we, a way you can absolutely say that. A hundred percent. And there are ways that the conversation can be had. But the second you look at somebody or the second they find out somehow through the grapevine that you're untrusting of them or you have questions that you're not going to explain to them for whatever reason, it is an incredibly maddening experience. Oh, the gate is shut. Like there's no trust whatsoever. There's, there's none. None. 
And it happens all the time. It happens. And I'm so lucky that at 39 years old on pregnancy number, you know, six at this point that it happened to me this late in the game and right. I have been protected from it and I haven't been spoken to. And I've kind of like looked at like, remember my doula training, we talked a lot about it. And I remember thinking like, okay, whatever. A woman's not trusted. They right. can go find somebody else. Holy crap. It's, in an can. experience where your hormones are up and like, you don't know what to do. Like it's terrible. And in the, what feels like the worst situation of your life to not get support from the one person who should be able to support you is not only like maddening, yeah. but it just, it's like a, it's like a bullet to the gut. Yeah. Like how can you not? I mean, I swear there were eye rolls in that office. Like I swear they kind of like, and I, and I don't know. And you know, it's so hard because I'm giving people the benefit of the doubt. You have masks on. It is so hard to connect. The ultrasound room was dark. It was small, but holy moly, did I feel like I was the craziest person ever for advocating for myself at five weeks because I knew something was wrong. And, you know, I, I don't I don't think it was meant to be that way. And I think that, you know, my hormones, I will 100 percent say are whacked to hell right now. You know, when you're walking around, yeah, with no, a you're, right, you're, you're walking around making HCG with a non viable pregnancy inside of you. You're already like your hormone hormone everywhere. And I know I walk around like being the strongest woman. Like I just I'm like, I can do it all. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Really yeah. <laughs> well, no, I don't. Well, you, but you run the latch mama world. And but, so it's hard to see yeah, this but, vulnerable side. It really absolutely. is. Absolutely. But it's so funny. Cause it's like you, there is a certain gift that some care providers have and they are out there and they're not all midwives. There are no. OBs that are like that. There are family medicine doctors that are like that. There are nurse practitioners fall in love with a nurse practitioner yeah. at a doctor's office and just see them. I found a little baby OB. She was a resident. Now she's an attending and I will never see anyone else. Absolutely. <laughs> like, so they're out there and Holy moly. Even if you have had perfect pregnancies and perfect birth experiences at this point. I'm not saying something is going to definitely go wrong, no. but you know what? It could, it could go wrong. And when it does, you need to be in the arms and the hands of somebody who is going to trust you. And if they're not going to trust you or they think that you're going to make a wrong decision or a bad decision, they need to be able to sit down with you and explain where you're coming from and explain where they're coming from before there's just this like line in the sand. No, you have to find someone who will hear you. Absolutely. Even if you're being crazy. Yeah. Even if you're, you Absolutely. know, you're oh, I will one spouting off percent admit that I have been, I'm, I'm a loony bin Your right pregnancy now. Pregnancy makes you whack. Absolutely. And having a, like having HCG being created, whether it's a low number or a high number and having a messed up, whatever the heck's happening. I mean, it makes you crazy, but you don't get into helping women without realizing that women are going to be affected by hormones right. and there is nobody else that is going to understand their, their partner's probably not going to understand no. it. <laughs> like there's nobody who's going to be able to like your job is to help them. Your job is not to put roadblocks in yeah, front of them. Not just to catch babies, not just yeah. when it's, when it's good, you have to know how to get Absolutely. them through. Absolutely. I was talking to Lindy today. Lindy has six kids and Lindy had six kids with no losses, which Ugh. is, which is incredible and I love her wonderful. And I hate her a little. <laughs> yeah, no, but she she had. I mean, she also. But she had a NICU first baby. Right. She had mono die twins. twins. Yeah, she had mono die twins. I mean, she didn't have easy road no, at all. But she looked easy. to me today and she was like, Melissa, she's like, it is just as much their job 
to catch babies as it is to walk women right. through. It's not on us to help them help us. Absolutely. They should already know how to do it. And if they don't, mm-hmm. then they need to figure it mm-hmm. out. Like we're already falling apart. Absolutely. We can't help them help us. Yeah. And like, I think I could end this little purgatory that I'm in right now. If I wanted to, I could push hard enough. I could, I, I could go back and get an ultrasound, which is what they're asking me to do in order for me to end it. And it's not unsafe for me to be walking around right now. My body will probably clear it at some point. Right. But the idea that I don't have an option is extremely difficult for me. And we're not going to get into the pro-life, pro-choice thing, because honestly, until today, I or until this week, you know, I have my feelings and I have my thoughts on it. I was raised Catholic. You know, I have I, I have thoughts and I have feelings on it. But at the end of the day, holy moly, to have somebody tell me that if I wanted to get rid of what my husband and my partner and I and science has told us at this point is a non-viable pregnancy. Like finish this nightmare. But I don't have the option to do it until I go back. I drop my pants. I get on that table with somebody I don't know. I spread my legs. They put an ultrasound up there. I see an empty ultrasound again. You know, just because there's this chance that they're holding on to, and I don't really know the reason, and it would probably be really nice to know the reason, and I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't mean to be opening a can of worms with this, but it's either, you know, they're worried I'm going to kill a viable pregnancy, which you know, to have HCG go up 50 points in 48 hours. And I'm sure there's somebody whose HCG dropped and it's been a viable pregnancy, but to have a progesterone as low as mine was and to be spotting like I am. I mean, everything kind of comes together yes. in the sense that, you know, when all arrows are pointing down. Yeah. It's- yeah. But I still have to go put, put myself mm-hmm. in this vulnerable situation again, which I know people are not trying to do any harm and people are showing up every single day to support women and to do whatever, but Holy moly, find somebody who, who hears you and find somebody who listens to you and holds you and make sure that, you know, what is happening to your body and in your body is, you know, by choice and something that you want to happen. hundred percent agree. I don't know. It's just this, I don't know. It's just this weird feeling that, you know, losses happen, but there's a lesson in every single one of them. And I'm going to get up on my soapbox <laughs> and I'm going to make sure every single person in the latch mama land and that I come in contact with searches for yeah, that care you, provider. If you are able to bear children, you need to know this stuff. Yeah. And you absolutely need to find a care provider that doesn't just have you come in and weigh you and take your blood pressure <sighs> and tell you that your pregnancy is great and send you on your that's way. It, yeah. Absolutely. Somebody who will answer your questions, yeah. hear your craziness, yeah. talk you down, support you. Absolutely. Cause I know we're talking about loss right now, but it like comes full circle. It's it childbirth. Is. It's postpartum. It's breastfeeding. It's everything. So go on a care provider quest. I don't care if you have to go sit down with 10 of them, do it. And the ones that won't sit down with you and won't talk to you aren't worth your time. Don't you just cancel the appointment, walk away, Absolutely. don't go back. Absolutely. And you know what? Just because somebody gave you your first pap smear does not mean they need to be the one that catches your baby. <laughs> been Hands there. Down. If I hear been that there. one more time in my life, well, they've been so nice to me. You know, they wrote my first birth control prescription. Yeah. But if you ask them about what their, what their C-section rate is or, you know, how they feel about induction or, you know, like, have you asked them any of those questions? No, they're probably not the one you're going to want to walk you through a loss. Mm -mm. Probably not. There's a lot you don't know if you don't ask. Absolutely. So take your time and ask. 
So yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing this. Absolutely. I feel like we went on a little tangent there, but you know what? Not everybody that's listening to this has had a loss and not everybody that's listening to this will ever have one. But my guess is, is that everybody has to have a care provider. Yes. And finding support, not even just through this, through any phase of motherhood, like find it here, find it with Latch Mama, find it with your friends, find it with your care provider. Absolutely. You need it. You need you, it in every you phase. absolutely need it. Like shit goes south. And when it doesn't go south, it's still hard as a mom. You know, find your tribe, find your community, um, you know, and find a darn good care provider. Hold on tight. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Corey.